A very warm welcome to you all joining us this morning for our online service. My name's David and I'm one of the licensed readers here at St John's. Uh, this week Matt is on holiday and so I have the privilege of leading this service this morning and of sharing God's Word. In the Church's calendar, today is celebrated as All Saints Day, which is quite appropriate really because this morning we will be thinking about a saint, Saint Stephen, usually acknowledged as the first Christian martyr. First, let us commit our time together to our gracious Heavenly Father. Almighty God, we thank you that we are able to share this time together. We pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to each one of us to better equip us for our life with you and for you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Before we come to hear the Word of God, it would be good to acknowledge our need of God's forgiveness for the many times that we've failed him. After each short petition, I will say, Father, forgive us. And the response is, save us and help us. God our Father, we come to you in sorrow for our sins, for turning away from you, and for ignoring your will for our lives. Father, forgive us, save us and heal us. For the times when we have behaved selfishly, not thinking of the needs of others. Father, forgive us, save us and heal us. For failing you by the things we do and by the things we fail to do. Father, forgive us, save us and heal us for letting ourselves be drawn away from you by the things that the world around us offers father forgive us save us and heal us and for the times when we have failed to witness to the love that you have poured out upon us. Father, forgive us, save us and heal us. May the God of all healing and forgiveness draw us to himself and cleanse us from all our sins, 
that we may behold the glory of his Son, the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I'm now going to pass you over to Anne, who is going to read our Bible passage for us this morning. Good morning. Our reading this morning is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 6, beginning at verse 8. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition, however, arose from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as from the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They persuaded false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stops speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. As they were sitting in the Sanhedrin, looking intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to him. Thank you, Anne. Well, as I said earlier, this morning we're going to take a brief look at Stephen, the first Christian martyr, and the incident that led up to his martyrdom. In the first part of this chapter, which Ian spoke about last Sunday, we read that Stephen was one of the disciples chosen by the apostles to minister to the Hellenistic widows in the daily distribution of the food. For some reason, these widows were being overlooked. And so Stephen, along with six others from the Fellowship of Believers, were elected to be deacons to oversee a fair distribution of the daily food. As Ian reminded us last week, this was an important decision since a complaint had arisen and that complaint needed to be dealt with swiftly in order to maintain the unity and the well-being of the fellowship. The choice of the seven was taken with the approval of all, and the seven were then prayed with and commissioned to fulfil this duty. We might at first think that this was a rather mundane task, but it was obviously viewed as important, as we heard last week that the seven men were to be those filled with the Spirit of God and with wisdom. Now we don't know how long Stephen had been a follower of Jesus, but I think we can presume that it was quite some time, since he was, as it says in verse 5, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. 
Stephen's ministry didn't just end with the care of the widows, important as that was, as we see from verse 8 of this sixth chapter of Acts. Again, it's recorded here that he was a man full of God's grace and power and that he performed great wonders and signs among the people. Sadly, Stephen's wonderful ministry sparked off opposition. In this case, it was from the Jews who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen. Of course, such opposition as this is nothing new. We know from the Gospels that Jesus encountered opposition over and over again, despite his wonderful teaching, healings and miracles. And as we shall see as we go on through the book of Acts, the early disciples continually met with opposition, sometimes of an extreme nature. Now initially in Stephen's case, the opposition from these Jews took the form of arguments. However, their arguments proved fruitless, as Stephen spoke with great wisdom imparted to him by the Holy Spirit. Again, we have no idea what it was that Stephen said, but I'm sure that empowered by the Holy Spirit, his words would have been gracious and loving, as were the words of his Lord, not contentious or angry. It's been said that it's near impossible to win Christ through arguments. Indeed, I can remember occasion when, as a very new Christian, I tried to argue with another sailor about my faith, and I have to confess, as I did then, that I failed dismally. It was completely unsuccessful. However, as Peter writes in verse 15 of the third chapter of his first letter, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Now, having got nowhere with their arguments, the Jews now go down another route in their desire to put an end to Stephen's teaching and ministry. Initially, they persuade some others to give a false testimony claiming that Stephen spoke blasphemous words against Moses and against God. As a result of this, they were able to stir up trouble involving the elders and the teachers of the law, and they then dragged Stephen off to appear before the Sanhedrin. Here, before the high priest and the other elders, they continued to add to their false accusations claiming that Stephen was teaching that Jesus of Nazareth was going to destroy the temple and also that he told the people that the customs handed down from the time of Moses should be changed. This is, of course, reminiscent of the trial of Jesus, where false witnesses claimed that Jesus was going to destroy the temple and also that he was telling the people not to pay taxes to Rome. False testimony of any sort is a terrible thing to face, 
and is sometimes something that is very difficult to counter. Our youngest grandson in Germany was excluded from school once because another pupil claimed that he had been bullying him totally without a shred of truth. Thankfully, our daughter went to the school and challenged this and the head teacher discovered that the boy in question was angry because one group of pupils, which included our grandson, were playing together and refused to allow him to join them. I'll get you, he said. And so he then made up the story about bullying, hoping to get our grandson into serious trouble. The boy did eventually own up to this. Our grandson was reinstated, but it was a very help hurtful experience. To return to Stephen, our short passage ends before his speech to the Sanhedrin and before the events which led up to his martyrdom, but it ends with a most wonderful few words. Let me repeat them for you. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen. And they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Now, I don't really know what an angel's face looks like, but Stephen was obviously so devoted to his Lord that that devotion shone out of him. Some years ago, some dear friends invited us to supper with them. And when we arrived, we both thought that Jennifer was pregnant again. Such a glow was lighting up her face. Actually, as she shared after supper, she had rece recently received such a blessing from God, such an encounter with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that she just glowed. I imagine something like that was what was happening here before the Sanhedrin. Sadly, as can be seen if you read through the remainder of this chapter, and I hope you will, I do re recommend that you do this, this light doesn't shine into the hearts of those who oppose Stephen. And as we know, this eventually leads to his martyrdom. We've reached the end of our short passage, but in closing I'd like to return to those words from Peter's letter. I remind you he wrote, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. We may not be as eloquent as Stephen was, We'll probably not be dragged before the Sanhedrin or any other such body to give an account of our faith. But I firmly believe that each one of us is given opportunities to witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. We don't have to be theologians to read the Bible and get to know the Word of God. And I can promise you that time spent doing that is never wasted.
Neither do we have to be theologians to spend time in prayer, both talking to and listening to a loving Heavenly Father who's always ready to hear us when we turn to him. In John's Gospel, Jesus promised his followers, followers that the Holy Spirit, whom the Father would send in his name, would both teach them and remind them when the need arose. I pray that each one of us will stay close to our Lord Jesus, so that, like Stephen, our lives and our words will witness to the love that he has poured out on us. Amen. Now I'm going to hand over to Sarah to lead us in a time of prayer. Given today's reading and sermon, our prayers will focus mostly on those who are suffering persecution for their faith. Let us pray. Lord, you have said that you will rescue those who love you, that you will protect those who trust in your name. When, they call, when we call on you, you will answer and you will be with us in times of trouble. You will rescue and honour us and you will reward us with salvation. Father God, we lift to you around the world those who are suffering intense persecution in your name. We pray firstly for the people of China as their government seek to rewrite the Bible to match their own ideologies. Please keep your followers firm in their faith. Enable new believers to recognise your word and not be drawn in by a counterfeit alternative. We remember those who are ostracised and imprisoned and tortured for their faith. Lord, we ask for grace and strength for all that are suffering in those situations. Whilst we are also praying for the families left behind with no visible means of support. Lord, would you multiply help, the help of organisations such as Barnabas and Release to reach and support those families in such dire need. We also pray today for those countries where there is a move by those in power to eradicate Christians from their country. We especially think of those Christians in Nigeria who are being attacked daily by the Fulani tribe and losing everything in the process. Lord, we ask that you do not let your children be wiped out in those nations. May more and more people instead come to believe in you through the faith of those that they are persecuting. Let us pause for a moment to think of those countries which are on our heart, asking God to protect and bless his children. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, we lift our nation to you at this difficult time. We pray for our government as it tries to deal with COVID, amongst so many other issues. Please give those elected wisdom to know what they should do for the safety and welfare of everyone. We pray for those making decisions around issues which go directly against your word, such as extending the right to abort at home and even up to birth, 
issues such as the definition of gender and marriage. Father, this current climate is so far removed from what we know to be true, and it seems that nobody is interested in truth or righteousness anymore. Indeed, you have said in your word that when people turn away from you, eventually you give them over to their sins. So, Lord Jesus, we ask again for your mercy. Would you please not rush to condemn this country, but instead help us as Christians in all walks of life to speak out your truth in love. Help us to stand firm in our faith and give us the right words to answer those who do not believe, as well as to those who are actively opposed to you. We have enjoyed a long time of freedom to speak and believe in you without fear of persecution. As the current climate of fear and confusion grows, please keep our eyes firmly fixed on you so that we will remain sure of the hope that you have given us. Help us also to pray for those who would come against us. We pray that once again our country would know and worship you, that we could be known as a Christian nation. We ask that you give us godly leaders who really know you. We ask that you would strengthen your church in this country. Give your voice to those who worship you. May your leaders be bold to share the good news of Jesus. Lord, we have been so quiet for such a long time. Let your church now arise and speak out. Surely now hope should be our battle cry in a country without hope. Lord Jesus, would you please revive us by your Holy Spirit. Make us, your children, fearless and joyful, keen to share our faith with those we are able to meet with. Indeed, you have promised that you have not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but instead of power, love and self-discipline. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for the street pastor who was vindicated for preaching the gospel. And we pray for organisations such as Christian Concern as they represent those who are targeted through the courts for their faith. We pray for Christy, who is waiting to hear whether she will lose her job after posting private Facebook concerns about a school's RSE curriculum. Thank you for her continued faith in you and her willingness to voice her concerns to other parents. May your voice be heard in these cases and may we see a return to truth. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, we lift to you those amongst us in our church family for whom this lockdown has been especially hard. We pray for those who have been shielded and isolated and unable to enjoy the comfort of friends or family. We pray for those amongst us who are in care homes and at the moment we particularly remember Beryl and Mark. We ask that you will be very close to both of them. Let us pause for a minute to remember those on our hearts who are especially unwell or bereaved, remembering John and Rosamond, John, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
Lord Jesus, we pray for Matt and his family, as well as all those involved in the day-to-day -day running of St John's and St Nick's. Thank you for our readers David and Mike, our family workers Richard and Kim, and our word wardens Sue and John, as well as our PCC and Susie. We ask for their continued good health, as well as time for refreshment and blessing for each one of them. Please guide them as they all continue to teach and guide us over the forthcoming months. Please help the PCC in all their decisions. We want to thank you for the services run by Richard and Kim as well as the Alpha Groups and we ask for your continued blessings on both of these, particularly for those who are newly coming to faith in you. Lord, we are excited about the new things that you are doing at the moment and pray that we will all be able to be part of your new way of doing and being church as we go forward. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Finally, Lord God, we pray for ourselves. Thank you for all the blessings you have given us this week, for the wonderful safe place that we live in. Help us to see and be grateful for all that you have already done for us. Fill us by your Holy Spirit this week so that we are effective witnesses to you. Help us to listen when you speak to us and make us eager to respond when you call. We ask all these things for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. We're coming to the end of our time together this morning. But before I close, may I remind you that at 6.30 this evening, we'll be having our monthly prayer meeting via Zoom. Details of that are on the church website. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life and witness of Stephen, the first martyr, and for all those faithful servants of yours who throughout the years have given their lives for the work of the gospel. We thank you for those who have witnessed to us as part of our journey of faith with you. We ask that you will keep us faithful in our calling to work with you and for you in sharing the good news of Jesus. And so may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with each one of us and with all those whom he has given us to love this day and forevermore. Amen.